imagine a chance to bring back creatures that have been dead for millions of years, put them all in an island with very minimal security on a very skeleton crew. What could go wrong, right? This is Jurassic Park. Video Store Wasteland. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Hello and welcome back to, uh, I guess, a series, special series, uh, Video Store Wasteland. I am your host, Brian, here once again, guiding you through the wasteland. And as you heard in our little intro today, we are talking about the 1993 masterpiece, Jurassic Park. Uh, so the reason behind doing this is that, um, you know, uh, we're releasing a series of episodes the week that I'm hoping is the last Jurassic Park, Jurassic World movie to come out. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion drops on Friday, June 10th. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but uh, we are talking about the one that started it all, Jurassic Park from 1999. Now, this movie for me holds a special place in my heart. It's like one of the first movies really that I've seen and really the whole reason why I launch into this whole, I guess, love of movies, why why people call me a cinephile. Um, and honestly, I've seen this movie... <laughs> Well over a hundred times. I'm, I'm probably well over a hundred times in the last 10 years, really. It's one of those movies for me where I just put it on and I have it on in the background. And honestly, I, having watched it again today, I could still recite almost every single line from the movie. And it's actually a little concerning. <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll go ahead and, uh, you know, do what we do here at the the Wasteland and we'll talk about the year 1993 and the movies that came out that year and the events that happened in that year. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. So like we always do here, we're going to go through this top 10 grossing movies of that year. And I know we already did a movie from 1983 and uh, the little giants, but I don't, not, you know, too certain that uh, we went through the top grossing movies of that year, so we're going to go ahead and do it now. It's going to be Jurassic Park, obviously number one. Then we have Mrs. Doubtfire, The Fugitive, Schindler's List, The Firm, Indecent Proposal, Cliffhanger, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, and The Pelican Brief. Now, that was like the third or fourth time that I went through that, and I still can't say it right, but there you go. That's the top grossing movies of that year, and the top, like, or sort of awarded movie of that year was Schindler's List. So, uh, you know, there we go with that. (laughs) So we have Spielberg with the top grossing and Spielberg with the most awarded movie that year. So we went back to back with two, I would, well, personally, I think Jurassic Park is a masterpiece of cinema. Schindler's List is fantastic as well. Um, it all depends on what you think of more dramatic movies. Um, but, you know, it's a good movie, what the, nevertheless it is. Uh, and other movies that did come out that year, like I said, Little Giants, we already looked at to that one. I think we did it, I think, the week or two after the Super Bowl. Let's go Rams. Hey. Hey. Uh, we also have A Bronx Tale, Dazed and Confused. Say, so, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> Demolition Man, which is an amazing movie. If you haven't seen that one, it is fantastic. And then we have uh, The Sandlot, so another one of those uh, sport, uh, kid sport movie classics. Rudy, another sport movie classic. Uh, we Other things that did come out that year would be like Robin Hood Men in Tights. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Now, this one is, uh, you know, sort of the Batman animated series. Sort of Batman movies, not a live-action Batman movie, but it's a great movie nevertheless, so it's something I do recommend people watching. Uh, We have So I Married an Axe Murderer, which is a Michael Myers movie. Not Mike Myers, but Michael Myers. And uh, I think his new show that he has out on Netflix is like based a little bit in that universe. I don't know how or why. You know, if you are into his movies, then 
you know, there you go. He, there, <laughs> there he is making another movie like that. Uh, Jason goes to hell since I like mentioning which uh, sort of horror movie franchises are still around at the time. Jason goes to hell. I don't know which one that one is. It might be like the 10th, 9th Jason or Friday the 13th movie. And a little movie called We're Back, which is an animated movie about dinosaurs. It's sort of, it's a good one. I remember watching that one. Honestly, the two that I watched constantly would be Jurassic Park and that one. Uh, or that and All Dogs Go to Heaven. So, I mean, there you go. I that, That's 1993 in terms of uh, movies. We're going to go ahead and do what we're starting to do now, which I actually like doing, uh, is sort of the other things that happened in 93, and we're just going to look at the sports of that year. And that year, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Uh, I believe that was the years that the Bills went three years in a row and they lost three years in a row. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, That year as well, we have in the World Series, the Toronto Blue Jays beating the Philadelphia Phillies four games to two in the World Series. In the National Basketball Association, the NBA, we have the Chicago Bulls beating the Phoenix Suns in a 4-2 series. And that was, I I forget what year the Michael Jordan, like, years that was, but, you know, it was one of the years he was just killing it. And I think that was Charles Barkley on the Suns, too. So, I mean, there you go, Charles. That's just, it is what it is, right? That's terrible. And that year in ice hockey, it kind of hurts myself because it is the Montreal Canadiens beating the Los Angeles Kings four games to one in the Stanley Cup finals, which kind of hurts because, you know, I'm I'm a Kings fan. So kind of hurts that that happens. I think those are the years that we had Wayne Gretzky on on the team. So... I mean, there you go. That's what we're looking at in terms of what uh, sports were going on that year. And just to give you a hint, like Jurassic Park came out in June, I think June 9th, 1993, June 10th, 1993. And usually the NBA finals take place in June. So (laughs) very much so it could have been that somebody was watching the uh, NBA Finals and then went to go see Jurassic Park that same night. So weird things. You go see Michael Jordan and then you go see this. Crazy, right? Um, I just like looking at things because, you know what, we'll talk, I'll talk about that when we get to the actual where I want to talk about it because certain historical events happen in certain years and you never know when. I'm looking at you, 2001. Ooh, edgy joke. <laughs> uh But now that we put a little bit of, uh, I guess, historical background and of of this movie, we're going to go ahead and look into the cast and crew of Jurassic Park. Really spectacular. Spared no expense. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and and run through the cast real quick because I do want to get to the the crew and I do want to start talking about the movie a little bit because it is it is like I said my favorite movie and I'm going to talk. I'm not not just talk about the movie. I'm going to talk about why what it means to me and all that. Um, but in terms of cast, we have Sam Neal, Sam Neal, not Sam Meal, Sam Neal playing Dr. Alan Grant. And we have Laura Dern playing uh, Dr. Ellie Sattler. Laura Dern, if she was in The Last Jedi, Sam Neal, I th- think he was in a uh, John Carpenter movie. I forget which one, though. Then we have the one, the only, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> we have Richard Richard Attenborough, uh, who plays John Hammond. Richard Attenborough is actually the brother of David Attenborough, who is the narrator of Planet Earth. So, I mean, kind of fits that <laughs> they got his, you know, they got him to do all the narration for for that documentary series. Now, uh, then we have Bob Peck, who plays Robert Maldoon, who is the uh, sort of game warden of the park. We have B.D. Wong, who plays Henry Wu, who is the uh, lead scientist. And he also he's also in uh, <laughs> Mr. Robot, a fucking great show that I highly recommend everyone watching. And then we have Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson. Uh, so, I mean, you know, there's Sam Jackson, obviously. Y- y'all know him. We have uh, uh, 
Shane Knight, who plays Dennis Nedry. And if you guys don't know who Wayne Knight is, I'll allow my friend Jerry Seinfeld to uh, inform you as to who he is. Hello, Newman. So yeah, you know that's that's who we're looking at in terms of cast. So we got not unknowns, really. We have these these people are are sort of are are established actors. I mean, Jeff Goldblum at this time, he's already done The Fly. He's already done Earth Girls Are Easy. He's already done Vibes, which we already did in uh, an episode. That was our Valentine's Day episode. Uh, Sam Neill, like I said, he was already in movies beforehand. I think he's been as an Australian actor. So he was really settled. Laura Dern is Bruce Stern's daughter. And, uh, you know, Samuel Jackson is Samuel motherfucking Jackson. So, I mean, there's that. And uh, I, I think technically... This okay, we're gonna go on and go on to the crew, and technically, this is our you know, officially, officially our first Spielberg movie. I do have a little, not exactly lost, but more hidden episode of Video Store Wasteland that we I talked about the terminal, and um, yeah, I just, I'll just leave it at that. I'll probably put it up like if, if I ever have a Patreon or something like that. Uh, which I'll eventually do one of these days. But yeah, Steven Spielberg. I, I mean, do I really need to go through and say his his entire filmography? Because you know what? <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> so, you know, as uh, Samuel Jackson said in the movie. Hold on to your butts. So we're going to go ahead and uh, go through here as... We list off Steven Spielberg's extensive filmography. We'll go ahead and start with uh, Firelight, Duel, Sherland Express, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1941, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, Twilight Zone, the movie. Yes, he wasn't a complete director, but he did do a, one of the vignettes in that one. We have Anita Jones in the Temple of Doom, The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, Anita Jones in the Last Crusade, Always, Hook, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Amistad, Saving Private Ryan, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, War of the Worlds, which is his World War II movie, Munich, Indiana Jones, and The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Adventures of Tintin, War Horse, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, The BFG, not Big Fucking Giant, but Big Friendly Giant, The Post, Ready Player One. West Side Story, and uh, one that's coming supposed to come out uh, this year, as in this year, 2022, uh, The Flablemans, which, well, I finished there. Jeez, cut the music. Uh, but The Flablemans, as interestingly enough, that was filmed right across the street from where I go to the dentist. <laughs> so I went to the dentist one time, and I go there, and they're, they're setting up for that. I'm like, what the hell's going on? They're like, oh, it's one of Spielberg's new movies. I'm like, no shit. So that was cool. That was cool to know. Uh, so damn, yeah, that's that's uh, his filmography there. And then uh, for writers, um, obviously this movie is based off a book written by Michael Crichton. Crichton, however you would say his last name, but Michael Crichton wrote the book in uh, 1989. And uh, just a little background of the book. The book itself, well, actually, you know what? I'll finish out the cast and crew, and then I'll talk about the book and the movie a little bit um, after I finish this. But yeah, he did that. But uh, interesting enough, he wrote and directed the original Westworld. So if you're a fan of the Westworld TV show, he is the one who did the original uh, movie with Yul Brenner. I forget what year it is. I believe it was the 70s, but he also did ER. He wrote that. Then we have David Coep, who did the Mission Impossible movie, the first one. And he wrote The Mummy from 2016, as well as other Steven Spielberg movies. Uh, editor, we have Michael Kahn, who's basically worked on every single Spielberg movie. And he also did some episodes of Hogan's Heroes, which, if I remember correctly, Hogan's Heroes is... What a story about American POWs. So, like, the Nazis are the comedic relief. Comedic, not comedic. Come on, dude. Get it right. Um, then, you know, we got Stan Winston, who's doing all the animatronics on here. And we already talked about Stan Winston in, uh, was it the 
Small Soldiers. Yeah, Small Soldiers, that that episode, which, you know, was a good movie. Joe Dante, honestly, I think it would have been better if he did, you know, if they just don't, Joe Dante leaned into just having Stan Winston do all the animatronics. And then obviously we have John Williams doing the composing here. And I know I saved this one for last for a specific reason. We have Dean Cundy, who is the cinematographer, who also was the cinematographer for <laughs> Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Happy, happy Halloween, 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 happy, happy Halloween. So that's what we're really going to end in terms of the uh, cast and crew of Jurassic Park. Um, so it's like, a, I, I don't know if you would completely call it a prestige picture, but it is what it is. It is, you know, a Steven Spielberg movie. And um, it, I mean, he controls everything he, he wants in that one. So, uh, I mean, there you go. There's that. So we're going to go ahead and move on from the background a little bit of we have here. And we're going to go ahead and move on to discussion of Jurassic Park. Dodson! Dodson! We've got Dodson here! See, nobody cares. Nice hat. All right. Now we got to get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about Jurassic Park in terms of, you know, it being a fucking amazing movie. Anyway, so, like I mentioned before, Michael Crichton, Michael Christian, however you want to say his name, so, Michael Crichton, right. He wrote Jurassic Park in... Well, he released Jurassic Park in 1989. And so, the book itself really is very contrasted to the movie because the movie plays itself as sort of a sci-fi sort of thriller like that. But the book itself is like a reaction to capitalism it's a techno thriller about the warnings of biomedicine and biomedical engineering because i like the beginning not the, exactly the preamble to the book but it, it talks a little bit about how oh you know there's gene splicing in terms of gmo foods and all this uh, other stuff crap that's going on in the this is this is 1989 this is the late 1980s that this is these writing this about and keep in mind Michael Christian Christian is a very 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 intelligent writer he was a intern no he was a resident a medical resident uh and a lot of his early books that he wrote were books about medicine so that's hence that why you know it makes sense that he went out and wrote you know, or wrote and produced ER um which you know George Clooney was in uh but the book itself is sort of a warning against all that. And like when I mean it's a techno thriller, it's about the dangers of technology and what, what could happen, what could go wrong with it. And I mean, to a certain extent, uh, Jurassic Park does do that. And uh, when I say it's, it's not exactly anti-capitalist, but it does give against the warnings to that because of the fact that and you know, being being what it is, the whole point behind having a theme park is money. And at this point, what are these people willing to do to get that money? And in this point, and then you know, it is to cut corners in security and safety because uh, they're just trying to get these these animals out as fast as possible. And um. I forget which which one of the Jurassic movies it was, but uh, someone mentioned something like you you didn't create animals, you created theme park mon- monsters, and not to give away a little bit more of what I'm going to talk about in later episodes or subsequent episodes about the other movies, but the Jurassic Park itself does do a really good job of presenting the dinosaurs as animals. But as later as the movies go on, they turn into movie monsters. And I think in the behind the scenes uh, footage of Jurassic Park and the little behind the scenes documentaries of Jurassic Park, which I've seen probably as much as I've seen the actual movies themselves, uh, the Spielberg mentions that he wanted to create animals, like creatures. He didn't want to, he wanted to create living, breathing creatures, not movie monsters. 
And unfortunately, when you get to Jurassic World, the Indominus Rex is exactly what that is. It's a movie monster. Um, not in this, not in, not in Jurassic Park, not in the Jurassic Park book either. Uh, and uh, just give a little hint about the book itself. Uh, we have basically the same characters. The, the difference here is that Lex and Tim are switch roles. So Lex is the younger child and Tim is the older child in the book. It's reversed in the movie. I don't know what the exact decision behind that was, but you know, it, it, that is what it is. Uh, in the book itself it does, you know, uh, it concerns more with like trying to escape the Island. So is this one. Uh, there's more dinosaurs in there. I think there's like two T, two adult T-Rex and a, and a juvenile T-Rex in that one. Uh, a lot more of the pro, th- uh, pro Uh, if you watch the lost world, it's the compies, the little green dinosaurs in that one. There's a lot of that in, uh, this, in the book and the book itself. It's a fantastic read. It goes by really quick because it's just fast paced. As soon as you get on the island, it that happens. And at the beginning of the book, you don't really get to the island that quickly because you know it ex- it explains that some of the creatures got off the island and they're you know invading the 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 mainland and you know they they kill a child and that's how you get sort of the hint of how uncontrollable nature can be because that's really what it is. You can't expect to control nature all that well because nature's going to do what it's going to do best. And um, as, as Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum's character says in the, in the movie, life finds a way. We simply deny them that. Deny them that? John, the kind of control you're attempting is... Uh... It's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but... Uh, well, there it is. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. And because life finds a way, it, uh, the book divulges into sort of chaos because each chapter is an, another iteration of the next stage in chaos because uh, uh, Ian Malcolm himself is a chaotician. So chaos theoretic, uh, well, he's a mathematician, but he deals with with the unstableness of systems and all that. And this probability and chance is really what it is. Uh, I, I th- Well, to be completely glib about it, that's what I think it is. Um, but the book divulges or it reaches more and indulges into that sort of idea of what's going on. Right. Uh, and what it doesn't really come out too much in the movie, because obviously not everything in the book is going to be able to be translated into the movie, uh, exactly the way that you would want it to. Uh, but it having read the book several times and, you know, having, you know, the love of the book movie that I do have it currently as is I have Jurassic Park socks on, I have a Jurassic Park shirt and I have a Jurassic Park wood cut above my desk. And I'll post that all onto the, uh, my Instagram, which by the way, I'm going to probably start, I have to probably start doing this now to get my name out there, but I am video store wasteland on, uh, all social medias or on Instagram and on TikTok. I am video store wasteland on Twitter, since Video Store Wasteland is too long <laughs> to write out, I am VS uh, Wasteland Pod, I believe. Um, I'll just link into the description, video description. And, I, and again, if you do have comments, concerns, or anything like that, suggestions for what I should do or what you want to hear me talk about next, I am, go ahead and reach me at Video Store Wasteland at gmail.com. Uh, or if you just want to yell at me, it doesn't matter, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what, uh, that's like, like I said, I'd have to start doing that now, but, uh, but that's what the book is. Uh, oh, there is a sequel to it. I will talk about the sequel book when I talk about the lost world of it's, it's titled the lost world colon Jurassic park. So, I mean, at that point, it could have just been called The Lost World of Jurassic Park or Jurassic Park, The Lost World, 
whatever. Um, but that's sort of the book. Uh, I, I, I mean, I haven't read the book recently enough for me to actually give a good rundown of comparing, contrasting the book and the movie together. I, there is, I do have something planned, not for this one. Um, so, you know, hold on to your butts <laughs> for that. Uh, but, but let's go ahead and do the movie now since we talk a little about the book. Since, you know, it's based off a book. Uh, now, Jurassic Park, the movie. The, uh, I, I, this movie means a lot to me because, uh, like I said, I was probably a year and a half old when I first saw it. <laughs> I was born a couple months before the movie was released in theaters. So I, you know, I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters when it was released. I did I, every every chance I get every time it is released, re-released in theaters. I do go see it because it, it is it is a fantastic movie going experience. I'll, I'll do the, like even the same thing every time. Every time The Godfather is released in theaters, I go see it because it is that's the way that some of these movies are meant to see be seen. And the whole reason I am, like, into movies is because of that. Because my mom sat me down, put on the VHS of Jurassic Park, and I sat there and watched the whole goddamn thing with eyes wide open and my hair all the way up. And at at a year and a half old, it was a life-changing experience. Now here we are 30 years later. I'm just going to say 30 because 29 sounds weird. Uh, but 30 years later, we have, you know, me doing this. Uh, uh, but it's the whole reason I, I got into film, the whole reason I do really a lot of things. Because it's just, this movie reminds you of what, things could be this could be special because it's magical really is what i would say it it would be because um the first time you see an actual dinosaur on screen you're like in awe because obviously if you if you're not really well versed in movie effects or anything like that like you're just gonna piece <laughs> cheek to cheek smiling of, of how well they did this because even 30 years later it's amazing the, the 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 effects are amazing and the first brachiosaur that comes out and uh you're in there like you you feel like you're there with 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 the characters staring up seeing this living breathing creature this animal really it's not any it's an animal it's not a monster it's a well, genetically modified animal but it is an animal in, in general and uh, this movie reminded me of how like movies could be special and should be special because i mean <laughs> Uh, so often you go in theaters, like, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy like Star Wars, the, to, to whatever's been out, really. I've enjoyed the Marvel movies. I enjoyed the Batman, even though it's like the fifth or sixth Batman movie. I enjoyed it, but like, it, it's not as um magical i'm just i'm just gonna go back to that word it's not as magical of an experience as watching this movie because this movie is special like it uh like even now i'm at a loss for words i don't know how to describe it it's just it's just what it is because if as a kid like you see this thing and it's it's a living, breathing creature. And the mix between the CGI and the uh, the actual Stan Winston animatronics that he made is amazing. Because now, yes, with how upgraded all sort of 
technology is because there's the movie's been through a couple remasters really and you can tell the difference between some of the cgi shots and and whatnot and, and that's fine and the cgi shots do kind of look better than a lot of the movies coming out nowadays i'm looking at you marvel <laughs> some of your stuff looks a little suspicious very very noticeable um but it it's, fills you with this sense of awe and wonderment that, I don't know, I watched it again and today. I watched it again with, with my, uh, my brother, my sister, and my brother-in-law. And it, I think it was my first, the first time my, my sister seen the movie. And it's, just, it's like seeing people watch a movie for the first time that you've seen hundreds, hundreds of times before. I, I, I hesitate hesitate to say thousands because how really can you watch a movie a thousand times i mean you have to watch it at least a hundred times in 10 years and if you watch it a hundred times in 10 years you're at least watching it 10 times a month which is a lot <laughs> really that's a lot of times you watch a movie um but it's it was great because um and i'd probably hadn't seen the movie in in probably a year or so, but I, <laughs> I still sat there and recited all these lines, like I I knew it with from the back of my head because you know I did, and um, that's great. So that's the impact that it's left on me, really. Uh, but the movie itself, let's just go ahead and talk about it. It starts with the uh, they're bringing raptors into the. Raptors is in Velociraptors, which I'll go ahead and say this. Now, I'm kind of a little bit of a paleontology nerd, too, as well. So the Velociraptors really, if you're talking about Velociraptors in real life, uh, they're about three feet tall, six feet long, not six feet tall and like eight feet long like they show in this movie, which isn't too much when you really think about the fact that they are genetically modified and they're spliced with frog DNA, whatever. They're trying to make it look like actual creatures that you would think they would look like. Uh, but later on after this movie, because Jack Horner is the, uh, I believe the paleontological, um, the paleontologist who was, in charge of uh, the movie, uh, and uh, you know he gave he gave them, you know what he thought about the creatures and all that, uh, and he himself I believe found the Utah Raptor about a year or two after that, and in the Utah Raptor is about as tall as what it was in the movie, and the in, in Raptors themselves fall under a group of of animals called dromaeosaurs. Dromaeosaurs are the ones that look exactly what you think of when you think of a raptor. You know the claws out like that, big big teeth pack hunters and all that that dromaeosaurids dromaeosaurids that's what they are um but in the you know that's how the movie starts you know they bring in raptor into that and it's really the opening shots or the opening scene is to set the stage of how of how uncontrollable nature is supposed to be for everybody in this movie and that's what it is um, cause automatically go for, it's a contrast from that into the legal portion of, uh, the lawyer, Donald Gennaro, who goes to the Dominican Republic, not to Perriar, but to, to, uh, <laughs> to, you know, look for, for, for fossils and then specifically Amber, uh, which is fossilized tree sap. And, uh, in the movie, it explains that mosquitoes got trapped in the amber movie and in the book, it explains that mosquitoes got trapped in, in tree sap, uh, millions of years ago, uh, having already had, uh, bitten dinosaurs and you have the blood of dinosaurs in there, um, in those fossils, which when you actually think about it in real life, that's not even viable. I believe paleontologists have come out and said that, that that's more the fiction side of the movie, which they, you know, it's fine, whatever. It's cool to think about. Uh, but that's like the, the first 10 minutes of the movie. It's, it's that comparing it, you go from Isla, Isla Nublar, which is the Island that the, movie takes place on and then you go from there to the Dominican Republic to the fossil dig uh, to Montana and the Badlands of Montana which is the one of the bigger uh, fossil deposits 
uh, I think, yeah, that's what we would, they would call it, a fossil, a fossil deposit in the United States. And there you have, you know, what you're going for. You're going from A, B to C. You're, you're showing uh, Robert Baldoon is in the opening scene and you're showing the crew, the crew of the, the, you know, the workers of Jurassic Park. Uh, and then you go to the lawyer who's setting the stage for what's going on for him. Uh, and then you have the scene in the Badlands, which is just bringing um, Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler to the island, you know, as guests of uh, John Hammond. So automatically, boom, 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 boom. You're like, I, I know, if you can't hear me, I'm snapping. You're going really quick to where you're going for. And although you don't really see any, I forget like how f- late into the movie that you actually see a, a creature, but it's really late in the movie that you see a creature. And, um, you know, it's cool. <laughs> it, 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 it's like I said, at that point, it's a Spielberg movie and that's what you're supposed to get. It, I think this is like sort of has, like, ow, 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 cat's biting me. Because um, I'm giving her loving attention. Little love bites, that's what cats do. Animal behavior. Um, so you you go through all that and uh, of the movie, and it's really quick. You don't see, like, a dinosaur for a really long time. You kind of see a raptor at the beginning of the movie a little bit. You see the face of it, and you see the, the animatronic, like, rushing the camera or whatever. You really see the thing, though. First creature you do see is that Brachiosaur, and that's after they land on the island of Isla Nublar. And it's, to this point, it's still building the mystery. And this is what I love about the movie and what I love about, uh, you know, Spielberg movies that were more sci-fi and stuff like that that had a mystery to it, not the biopic stuff that he's made recently. And although it's good stuff, there's been a few Spielberg movies that I'm not really a fan of, you know, one being Terminal, you know, Ready Player One was all right. Uh, BFG was okay. West Side Story wasn't that great. Um, but his biopics are good. His sci-fi stuff's good. Hell, I, I liked uh, Last Crusade, or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull more than I liked uh, Ready Player One, really. And that one had its issues because you got to realize that's more of a George Lucas movie than it is a Spielberg movie. But uh, I digress. <laughs> so once they get to the island, that's when uh, you finally get the scope or magnitude, really, of what you're facing here. Because um, you just go and everything's done from a high-angle shot. So when I mean high-angle, I, I, I'll, I'll have to do another episode of what I'm going to officially call my film school burnout episodes where I explain a little bit more about film terms and theory and stuff like that. You know, I'll just give you a little rundown of what I learned and what I, what I could apply. But um, high angle shots, you see it from above. It's almost like you're, it, the, the, the Jeep stop and then it comes up and they come out of the car and you see, you see their wonder, do they take off the glasses in awe and you're like, What's going on? You hear the 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 brachiosaur do its song, and it goes on, and, and and that's the first shot of a full full dinosaur, uh, and it's huge. The brachiosaur that is the uh, so if you know what a brontosaur is, brontosaur is not really a real dinosaur. It's one of the ones that was an amalgamation of different fossils. They just put together because they needed something to look good in a museum. But the Brachiosaurus really is the closest thing to what that would be. <laughs> and um, you just look at it, and, and again, it's the that's CGI from 1993. It's been almost 30 years, and uh, that shit lo- looks great. And... Uh, that's how the, the movie opens up and tells you, like, hey, this is what we're dealing with. And that's when you hear, when you get the first, you know, the, the theme um, of Jurassic Park. Uh, and then you get the whole, like, they tell him, like, oh, we have a T-Rex. And he's like, you have a T-Rex? 
yeah, it, it, like these guys or this paleontologist, Alan Grant, he knows like that's a bad idea. That's a thing you see from a distance. But um, <laughs> I, I digress. Uh, but from there, the, the movie goes on to more of the exposition of it. And, you know, it's good exposition because they could, in the book itself, what they do is they go around and they actually talk about it, go to each different station of what's going on and how they got all the dinosaur DNA and they show them like baby dinosaurs in the movie, in the book. But in the movie, they it's fantastic. They could do that cartoon of Mr. DNA. And you're like, oh, that's really cool. and. And it just explains, it explains it really quick, like what it is. Uh, you know, thinking machines and supercomputers, they're the ones that really the ones that decoded the dinosaur DNA that they took from the embryo, uh, from the uh, <laughs> fossilized mosquitoes in the amber. And that's how they, they, you know, made the dinosaurs. And, you know, they explain that. And then you get, that's when you first see the raptors after all that. You you meet Dr. Henry Wu, who's played by B.D. Wong. And he explains, you know, that all the dinosaurs are in the park are female. Uh, they deny them the hormones at the right developmental stage to make them male. And which is, I believe, the exact line from the movie, because, like I said, I know the movie's line by line. Uh, and you have that. It sets up, so like, I, like I already mentioned, the beginning of the movie sets up perfectly, like, oh, this is the danger of the world Jurassic Park. Here's the legal portion of Jurassic Park. Then you have the scientific portion of, the, of what you're, you're dealing with, really. So A, B, C. And then A, B, C um, all comes together, to D on the island and <laughs> I need to grow up <laughs> but uh, they get to the island and, and that's you know they explain everything there in that 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 and they you meet the uh, game warning from game warden from the beginning of it of the movie at the raptor enclosure in, uh, and at that point you know then then you get kind of the scope of what the danger could be with the animals. Because at this point, you haven't seen any of the carnivorous uh, dinosaurs yet. You've only seen the uh, herbivorous ones, which carnivorous, meat-eating, herbivorous, plant-eating, uh, omnivorous, eating everything. I really need to grow up because I was going to make a really bad joke. <laughs> Dick-eating dinosaurs. Anyway, uh, uh, I digress. You have the uh, the raptor encounter, and then at that point they have dinner and all that, and then sets up, you know, what could go wrong because uh, John Hammond's explaining everything as a capitalist because that's what he is. He's not a scientist. He's not doing this out of the goodness of his heart or he thinks every, anybody and everybody should see these dinosaurs, right? This guy just, or at least in the book, he wants to have everybody pay for seeing the dinosaurs. And that's what the lawyer sort of takes over in. And, uh, Everybody else at the table is looking at this guy like he's a freaking madman, really. Because he's explaining to them, like, oh, everybody's going to pay for this. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to go well. And, it, and like, uh, I think Ian Malcolm goes, you, you spent so, time, so much time thinking that, uh, what you could, but not what you should or something like that, right? Uh, I'll play the clip right now. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So at that point, like you, you're thrust into this terrible world of what could happen in this, uh, in Jurassic Park, and it will happen, and it does happen eventually. Um, but then the kids get introduced, and then you get the whole other, you know, play into danger because later on, uh, once. We'll just go ahead and skip, you know, the kids get in there. They get into the, the uh, Ford Explorers, who which are self-driving. And I'm curious when Elon Musk is going to go ahead and sue them 
for uh, taking his idea for autonomous cars. And I wonder when Elon Musk is going to sue me for defamation for saying jokes against him. Crazy how he became a villain really quick, right? Oi. Um, anyway, uh, once, once you get past the gates of Jurassic Park, which, uh, you know, it's the big old gates of Jurassic Park. And if you've been to Universal Studios, either Hollywood or Orlando, you, they have the, the giant gates there too. You go to the Jurassic Park ride, now the Jurassic World ride, because, you know, where that's where we're going now in a couple episodes. Um, that's what you see in general. And from this point on in the Jurassic World, Park movie is where things go down the drain because Dennis Nidri's character, who is Newman from Seinfeld, uh, he <laughs> he's there stealing all the the secrets, right? And what he does, and uh, he tries to sabotage everything because what he promised uh, Lewis Dodson, who is a big character in both both Jurassic World book and the Lost World book, uh, he's like eighteen minutes. And your company uh, catches up on 18 years of research is the line exactly that Dennis Nidra says. And he's, you know, trying to steal the embryos and all that by sabotaging the the control systems of the park. So that's just setting everything up. Then you go, you know, the, you don't really see any of the dinosaurs at first. Uh, you know, because you go to the Dilophosaurus, they don't see that. And then you go, see, go to the sick Triceratops uh, scene. And the sick Triceratops scene is the one where, um, you know, you see the meme where it's like, oh, Steven Spielberg killed the last dinosaur. That's the uh, that's that meme. That's where that's from, from that scene. Uh, you know, behind the, behind the scenes stuff. But uh, then things start going downhill because a hurricane hits the island and that's when they get to the fucking scene in the goddamn movies the fucking t-rex attack scene jeez it's so good like at, at this point it man i want to talk about the, how it interconnects into the lost world but i won't until i get to that one because i don't know how many of you have actually even seen any mo any movie past jurassic park or jurassic world um so there you go <laughs> You're not like me. You don't watch every movie that ever comes out. That's me. Um, so at that point, it moves on to that, right? So you're going on to the T-Rex attack scene. And what's cool about the T-Rex attack scene really is that, uh, so that's filmed in the back, back, lock, back lot stages at Universal. Uh, all the exterior stuff was filmed in Hawaii, either in, uh, what's the island called? It, well, one of the one of the, some of the scenes were filmed in uh, near Waikiki in, on Oahu. Uh, I think it's Diamond Head State Park. If you go there, there's signs that saying you know Jurassic Park was filmed here. Uh, Kauai is the other. Kauai is the other. Not Kauai, you know, from anime bullshit. Oh, I feel my my viewership go down because it's called it anime bullshit. <laughs> but uh, Kauai, as in the island of Kauai. In, in Hawaii. Oh, and I say it like that because, you know, maybe the island should be returned to its original owners. Oh, and I feel oh, the rest of my viewership leaving. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's filmed out there. And a hurricane hits the island in the movie and during the filming of the actual movie itself. It actually hit themselves too, which is funny because... Um, Every, while well, everybody was taking shelter during the filming, Richard uh, Attenborough, he was chilling, drinking tea outside, and everybody's like, what are you doing? He's like, my dear boy, I survived the Blitz. I can survive this. And it's true. The Blitz was awful. If you know anything about World War II history, it was when the Nazis, the Nazis, whatever the fuck you want to call those losers, oh, and I feel the people leaving again because there's people who are Nazi sympathizers. Um they attack Britain pretty bad. Uh, but, you know, he survived that, so he survived a hurricane. But uh, an actual hurricane hits the island, and that's what, what leads to everything going dark. Because then, uh, you know, you, they leave the island there because everything goes down to a skeleton crew that includes Dennis Neardre. And I think at this point we're already halfway through into the movie. What do you say to that, hydro pants? I say I'm already halfway there. Halfway there. Halfway there. <laughs> halfway there. <laughs> halfway there. <laughs> 
that T-Rex is fucking dope in it. it. Like, it's really fucking cool. Um, and, it, and it's funny during that scene, you do see like one of the cables that, uh, that flips the car over when it, when the T-Rex hits it with its, with its head or her head, because it is a, it's a female because all the dinosaurs on Jurassic Park are female and it hits it with its head and it flips over the, the Ford Explorer and you can see the cable. Um, and what's fucking cool, I think it's also kind of scary about it too, is the fact that when the T-Rex head comes down, it breaks the glass for real. Uh, I'm just going to sit here watching to like explain the whole movie. And I honestly probably saw it a couple hours ago. I may have had a couple drinks. So I, you know, my memory's not all that great, but, uh, <laughs> I've seen this movie so many times. I could probably explain it to you frontwards and backwards. Uh, so I'll just continue going on past that. Uh, from there, you know, it, it just really turned, <laughs> that's, as soon as you hit the scene with the sick triceratops, that's when it turns from a Spielberg, like a happy go lucky movie into a semi horror movie. I would consider it like Spielberg's horror movie really, uh, unless you consider poltergeist it, but that's Toby Hooper. Um, at that point, you know, like I said, it turns into a Spielberg horror movie, uh, which is kind of cool. Cause, uh, the scenes that stand out for that is that scene, the T-Rex scene and the raptors in the kitchen scene, which, holy shit, that's a great scene. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but then, you know, you go from there from a T-Rex attack to the scene where he's trying to get the kid out of the, the tree, which is if you've gone on the Jurassic park ride before it got turned into Jurassic world, there was a part, you know, the thing fell on you or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's from that, that's what th- <laughs> I'm running out of breath because I'm talking. I could literally talk about the fucking movie forever. Anyway, you go from there to that. Uh, and it's really about the. Again, like what Malcolm said, you, you spent all the time thinking if you could not thinking if you should. And that's what the whole park is. It's just divulging like the, and like I said, originally these dinosaurs are acting like animals. They're not, they're not there to just complete to attack every fucking thing that moves, right? Because uh, uh, even the T Rex escaping its its enclosure, it's you know te- testing the the limits of how it can get out. Which, by the way, when we're really thinking about it, that the the thing would have to have climbed up the side of the wall because the T Rex really is only like twenty feet tall, unless that wall is it, physics is is a bitch, really when you think about it. But um, that's how you get to there. Uh, then you do the the scenes with the Brachiosaur when they're up in the tree, and it's mixed between CG and uh, that animatronic, because there's the animatronic head of it. It looks fucking great. Um, in the book, there's a little bit more action scenes, because I believe in the book at this point, there is like a river adventure scene where they go down the river and get attacked by pterodons or some other type of flying reptile, which what I'm just going to say at this point, the dinosaurs were separated into two types. There's two different types that you could think of. There's sauropods, which are lizard-footed, and theropods, which are bird-footed, and that all has to do with the alignment of their hip. And then you have things like uh, pterodons and pterodactyls, stuff like that. Pterodons are are more reptile uh, creatures, flying reptiles at that point. And that's what the book is at this point. You go down the river and there there are pterodons attacking. (sighs) And uh, from here, it's just just trying to get the kids from the the T-Rex paddock to the to the uh the visitor center and at this point when john hammond is talking about like oh why he's creating it he's like oh i created a flea circus you know you know just for the wonderment of everybody and you know see see what i could do and then ellie sadler's like i was captured by the magic of this place and you know it's an illusion everything here is an illusion and it's right everything there is an illusion everything you see is an illusion nothing is real none of the street none of the dinosaurs there are real none of the the none of their habitats are real nothing about this island 
island is real. It all is a, a matrix. It's a simulation. It's a simulacra. I forget what, what philosopher talks about that, but it's a, it's like stepping into Disneyland, really. When you go into Disneyland, nothing is real when you go into Disneyland. You go down Main Street and the fucking castle looks so huge and the buildings look huge because it's all built to look like that. And that's what everything in Jurassic Park was built to do. It's built to make you feel like it's real, but it's nothing there real. And all these animals, which are still with their animal brains, are trying to figure out how to be back there after 65 million years of being fucking dead. And that's where you get the conflict. This is a man versus nature conflict. And uh, like I said, I'll talk about different types of conflict conflict in narrative later on in the road. But uh, that's what it is, really. Um, and what we get to this point is where they're trying to turn all the you know systems back on and... That's where it turns, you know, again, turn, take it to another turn for horror because, uh, at this point, uh, so where <laughs> Samuel Jackson says the line, hold on to your butts. And, uh, he goes and he gets attacked by raptors. You see that that's off screen, right? Because, uh, Ellie Sadler goes to try to turn everything on. This is also the part where you get the clever girl scene, um, which is where Robert Maldoon, who's the game warden gets attacked by the velociraptors, um, wow, I'm just going to do a rundown of the whole movie now, aren't I? If you're listening to this episode, go ahead and, you know, go ahead and watch it. And then you, you hear me talk about it. This is me just saying that I love the movie and <laughs> me telling you exactly what's going on in the movie. I love the movie. And, um, you know, it ends, it ends with that, you know, you go there like a horror movie. And and it's really quick. It's really fast paced once you get past the T Rex attack. Oh, uh, not the T Rex attack. Once you get past the the kids and Grant climbing up the uh, the fence, it goes really fast after that. Whew. Um, and don't worry, I'm gonna wrap it up soon. Later. And uh, you know, from the after they climb up the fence, they get to the actual visitor center. And that's when you get the raptors in the kitchen scene. So raptors in the kitchen. So where they fucking get in there, it is such a well. Like, okay, so Dean Cundy, uh, <laughs> Halloween 3. Having watched Halloween 3 a couple times and having watched Jurassic Park again after watching Halloween 3, you can kind of see where he was getting some of the ideas from for this movie, like obviously you're gonna take most of the direction from Steven Spielberg, but then you can see that movie, uh, and that movie has a Halloween season of the witch, and you can kind of tell where some of the it's really tight, and uh, you're playing with mirror images and shadow in the end of that one, uh, and that one being the raptors in the kitchen scene, and it's it feels drawn out, but the whole scene maybe takes three minutes and it feels drawn out because you're there so anxious of what's going on. It's fucking fantastic. And after they do, do all that, you know, they go into the, the control room and they turn all the breakers on, which is interesting to say. And when you get there, cause you know, the Raptors do break into cause they're animals and they know what they're doing cause they're smart. Uh, there's shadows that go down on it and it says, uh, A, G, B, C, whatever the DNA, uh, nucleotide, whatever the fuck it is called, peptides, proteins for DNA are called. I took the last time I took biology was sophomore year of high school, which that was 2009. (laughs) This is 2020, 2009, such a long time ago. Um, so yeah, there you, there you go there. Uh, and the movie ends with them being chased down by the raptors. And that's where you get the whole uh, fucking fantastic, memorable, famous scene uh, when the T-Rex comes in and, you know, kills both the raptors, but the banner falls down that says, when dinosaurs ruled the earth, the T-Rex is roaring and all that. And I guess the decision for doing that was, I forget who's, idea it was but it was like hey someone mentioned it to spielberg and he's like yeah let's do it fucking fantastic let me, let me tell you what uh but at that point you know that's the end of the movie 
uh, you know, they'd, they'd say not to, you know, endorse the park. And, you know, and if you haven't noticed yet, yes, I do recommend this fucking movie. A thousand, hundred thousand times, yes, I recommend this movie. It's one of those, like, video stores. Like, this is the video store movie from the 90s. Are you kidding me? Everyone had to go see Jurassic Park. Everybody had to do this. It's, it's like this. If I were if I were to recommend movies from the nineties like that, just this, uh, the Terminator, um, Demolition Man. See, I talk about Jurassic Park this whole fucking like hour or whatever the hell this episode's gonna be, uh, and you know, so it is just what it is, what it is. But yeah, highly recommend Jurassic Park. Uh, and you know, this is for, like I said, this is in preparation for Jurassic World Dominion, which hopefully is the last Jurassic Park movie. So I think this one would, or that one as in Jurassic World Dominion, it would be the sixth. Let's see, Jurassic Park, Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, Jurassic World, Jurassic World, Lost Kingdom, and then Dominion. Yeah, no, that'd be the sixth one. It's crazy that there's six, six of them. But, you know, there's 22 Marvel movies since 2008. Let that blow your mind, huh? Anyway, Jurassic Park. Hell yes, I'd recommend. I've seen it a thousand times, <laughs> at least since, you know, 1993. I've seen it a thousand times. But yes, I recommend, I recommend Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> as always, I am Brian. I love you guys, and I thank you for joining me here in the Wasteland. Wasteland.